all, this is where Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. Hey, Yolitics is on the road this week, and we are at a brewery in Dallas that mm-hmm. I've been wanting to go to for a long time. I've passed yeah. it, I've had their beer, but I've never physically been here. It's the Texas Ale Project, just well, just west of the skyline on yeah. Riverfront Boulevard. Right in the shadows of downtown Dallas, veteran-owned. Uh, and I, I looked up a little history, because you know I'm always the researcher here <laughs> in this team. The, those uh, odd journals you look at all the time, <laughs> I too. just I looked at their website, uh, and I, I didn't know this. This is the, they, they say they're the first brewery and tap room to be built from the ground up in the city of Dallas hmm. since the late 1800s. How long have they been here, I wonder? I don't know, but that's, a, a, place. that's a staggering period of time, yeah. you know, to be able to claim that you're the first one. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it kind of feels kind of historic. This is the design district for folks who want to come by here. And mm-hmm. you probably had, they have two very popular beers. Mm-hmm. One that I used to drink all the time, still do, is Fire Ant Funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an amber. It's really good. The one uh, I haven't had in a while is Texas Blood, which is a, a blood orange IPA. Mm. And I, I think of all the names of the beers here, 100 Million Angels Singing, Dank Cerveza, Wealth Over Riches, I'm having the, the Pain Pilsner. I think you have the best name of a beer here today. And it's, it's very apropos for you. I, I think it was a good selection. Yeah, it's, what are you having? What are you it, drinking? It's called the Caucasian. Uh, and, and Spot on. It is, uh, but it, it gets even more spot on from there. He says, the, the guy says, let me let you try it first because it, uh, and then he, you know, he's like looking for words. He goes, an acquired taste? it just, it, it, it is, it is what it is. And uh, it's an acquired taste. And I thought, Gosh, this is describing me. Whether I like that or not, I'm going to have to have that one now. Indeed. You are acquired taste. See, our, our, our listeners don't know that as well hmm. as the rest of us who work with you. And that's not a compliment, yeah. in case anyone's <laughs> wondering. Uh, uh, what do you have? You have two I, things here. I, I have a little taster. You had, what, a dozen tasters over there? I, so went, through, is, I went through several tasters yeah. because everything sounded good. And finally, I just had to settle on something because I told him, you know, I'm going to get a buzz just from tasting. And that's right. not right. Uh, so let me just settle on this porter. <laughs> This is the day I have the taster for the Dank Cerveza, which is a Mexican lager. Hmm. And then I have a, a pint of the Payne Pilsner. I haven't had that yet. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to try the, the Pilsner in a moment. I, I like the lighter beers. You like the fruity beers? I like the lighter. Ones. I like the fruity beers. And sometimes I just go for a porter or a stout. So it's a weird. Yeah, it is odd. There's this kind of dichotomy there. Yeah. So th- thanks to Stephen from the Texas Ale Project for being open, inviting us in, and uh, shout out to him. It's a really cool well. place it and uh, very convenient if you're anywhere near downtown Dallas. Uh, there is another glass on this table, though. There is another glass on this table, and <clears throat> I'll, I'll let her explain what's in that glass in just a moment. But <laughs> I was in Fort Worth the other day for a news story, and I saw someone I hadn't seen in a long time, a, a friend of mine, and I said, hi. And I said, what have you been up to? This is former State Senator Beverly Powell. She is a Democrat from Fort Worth. Um, and we started talking, and you, you said right away, well, first of all, welcome to Yolitics, Beverly. I'm getting too far in front of myself here. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very grateful. What's in that pint glass? This is water. <laughs> pint I'm going to leave this meeting today. I'm going to go raise some scholarship money, and I think they might like for me to be sober. <laughs> and, and, and you said if you have a splash of something, 
the truth might come out or something. Huh? It might. You might hear some things you maybe don't want to hear. Uh, never we know. Love giving, do. Yeah, we love giving truth serum on this podcast. Well, we, we were in Fort Worth uh, the other day, and, and I said, well, hey, what have you been up to? And if there's something going on, you know, let me know. Right away, you said, I've been super busy, and I've been doing something that you'd probably care about. I've been raising money to build a new school in Uvalde to replace Robb Elementary. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? And walk us through, first of all, how this came about, because you were still in the state Senate when this happened, when the shooting happened, May, uh, May of 2022. And you were in a committee meeting, I believe you said. You started to get some news about this. Tell me how all that unfolded. Jason, we were having an interim hearing on the, on the Public Education Committee in the Senate. And uh, it was actually one of my very last committee meetings on uh, the day of the tragedy. And about 11.30, we started to get some word through the grapevine that there had been uh, a lockdown in Uvalde at one of their campuses and that they had an active shooter. And we stopped our meeting and said a prayer. And, and like we usually know happens, we, we prayed and hoped that uh, it would be resolved without injury and without any real consequence. But as the day wore on, we realized that that was not um, going to be the story at the end of the day. We realized that there, uh, by mid-afternoon, that there were uh, large numbers of casualties and um, it was a devastating day for uh, all Texans. Mm. And I'm curious, as a lawmaker, I mean, th that session was coming to an end there, uh, you know, not to mention the special sessions, though, that were, were still to come, but that session was coming to an end. And just as a lawmaker, you hear about these things, you want to, you want to help as a lawmaker, you want to create policy, you want to do something that affects, does that tie you in knots in the months that follow, especially when we heard about, you know, the, the issues with the response and so forth? Does that tie you in knots when you're not able as a legislator to go, okay, I'm gonna do this, this, and this, and this to fix it? Yes, and, and not, not just in the moment, but even as, even as this was unfolding, I realized that I wasn't going to likely be returned to the Texas Senate. Your because district of was redistricting. Because of redistricting. redistricting right. And, um, well, I left Austin that day, the day of the hearing, and drove home just in terrible grief. And, and like most, especially Texans, but people across the nation, we remember where we were on the day of tragic events like this. And, and I, I know you guys can probably think back and remember where you were. Mm -hmm. I went home and I, I lived with that grief for the rest of the week. And finally, along toward the end of the week, my husband said, well, what are you going to do with your grief? How are you, what are you gonna do? And so I began to think about the meaningful ways that I might be able to contribute to some solutions, that I might be able to help the folks of Uvalde. One of the things we learn uh, as members of the Senate, as, as any elected official, you learn that you own the entire state of Texas. Mm -hmm. You own our glories and you own our tragedies and our griefs. And um, so in, in that thought process, I determined really quickly that because of my time as a school board trustee in Burleson, that uh, I knew what it took to build schools. We built $250 million of schools during my time, uh, during the decade that I served Burleson ISD. 
And I began to think through that. And I realized that the children of Robb Elementary should never, ever have to cross that threshold again. And not only the children, but the teachers and the administrators and the family members were, were going to be so traumatized that I, I just couldn't imagine that. Um, so I began to kind of think through how we could make that happen. And I, uh, early the next week, I called a friend of mine, Chris Huckabee, who owns uh, a design firm that designs public schools and they do amazing work oh. and if it, pretty much you know you can put up a, a, a map of texas and throw a dart oh yeah they've probably done a school near there or an athletic facility and uh it, their portfolio is huge well it's just remarkable and they have designers all over uh, all over the country but certainly all over the state of texas working so, you, so on what do you projects. say to him yeah what did you say to chris when he uh, answered the phone it was very simple i said chris if we could raise the money to build a school for the children of Uvalde, would you design it for free? Hmm. He said in an instant, yes, I will. Wow. And so we talked a little bit longer and, and hung up the phone. The next thing that, that I know, he has made some phone calls to connect with the uh, Butt Family Foundation and the HEB Foundation. Right. Uh, he has called uh, a, a construction firm, the Juris Construction Firm, and all have agreed that it's a project that we needed to figure out how to do. Hmm. Well, um, where uh, the HEB Foundation came into uh, play here, Chris made a phone call to Charlie Kleins, who is the head of their foundation, and he said, ask Charlie if he thought that they would be willing to donate to our mission. This is the owners of HEB, right? Uh -huh. Right. And uh, so Charlie said, well, I think so. Let me call Charles Butt, and we'll just ask him and see. Well, the head guy. They, yes. Right. And so when, when he spoke with Charles, um, Charles said, well, how much do you think we should contribute? And Charlie said, well, I think probably a couple of million dollars. And he said, well, let me think about that a minute. It took Charles Butt about 10 minutes to call back and say, we're going to contribute $10 million. Jeez, wow. wow. And he pulled his family together as just family members to contribute that $10 million. Oh, wow. And I think, isn't HEB based in San Antonio? Right, yes. they are. Nearby yes, they are. Well, it's important for our, our listeners and our viewers on YouTube also to know that, that prior to your time in public service in the state Senate and with Burleson ISD as a school board trustee, you were also a real estate developer. So mm -hmm. this is kind of your wheelhouse uh, to know how to do some of this stuff. It is, and it, it's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to be a school board trustee because I knew that we were expanding in our district. I felt like I had something to contribute there. I have a, a, a deeper understanding of civil engineering and what it takes to make a project happen, project management, and, and those kinds of things. And it, it, was, um, it was one of the things that made my service uh, as a school board trustee so meaningful because I was able to contribute to those projects in that way. Uh, so where, where is this now? So uh, I think that a lot of people think that when something like this happens, uh, either the kids go back to that same school again after it has been, you know, redone a little bit. Uh, in a lot of cases now, they knock the schools down. But I think most people figure, well, that money, you know, the state or the school district or somebody, you know, forks that over and builds a new one. 
not necessarily the case. That isn't necessarily the case. In, in fact, there's really no mechanism in state uh, government to build schools, to, be, yeah. to do capital projects like building schools. And I, I will say this at the outset, that the state of Texas has come to the table with an appropriation of $15 million which has helped us to reach our goal. We are, uh, today we stand at $48 million that we have raised to complete this project. And those are foundational funds that have been contributed, in-kind contributions, just like the one from uh, Huckabee Architects and Juris Construction. There are other construction companies that have offered product products and services to help build the school. Um, and the $15 million appropriation uh, from the government. So you have $48 million now. You need $60 million to finish the project. And when I, you know, when we all vet stories, we're like, well, how far along are you? I think I asked you the other day in Fort, Fort Worth. And I think you said forty-five or $48 million. I'm like, wow, you yes. guys have gotten there pretty fast. Uh, this, you're trying to raise the rest of that money. And, and I want to talk to you about that in a moment. But this project is going ahead. We're, we're, you guys are starting to get there and, and going to be breaking ground soon, right? That's right. We expect to have the official groundbreaking for the project in October. We are uh, taking, we're out for bid right now and, and evaluating um, the companies that are going to make bids to, to do the work. Mm. And so, yes, we are we are on the road to get our project started. We also have acquired the land for and, the project. And where do the kids go in? When, when, when will it be done? It will be done in 25. In 25, mm -hmm. okay. So we have mm -hmm. uh, one more year there. So you need $12 more million. That's right. Where do you get that from? Wheeler can Venmo you some, but, but <laughs> where, where do you get the remainder? You know, we, we have uh, launched our crowdfunding campaign, and uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and threads and Instagram and LinkedIn, every, everywhere that you look, you can find us by just plugging in Uvalde Moving Forward Foundation. And Is it uh, Uvalde ISD Moving Forward? It's CISD. Uvalde CISD okay. Moving Forward Foundation is the specific name of our foundation, but you can just plug in Uvalde Moving Forward Foundation and, and you will get to one of our pages. And um, we're, we're excited about this moving forward. Right now, uh, the HEB grocery store is in their point of sale campaign, and I think it's until September 12th. Yep. You'll have an opportunity to make a contribution at the uh, time that you check your groceries out. I just <laughs> saw that the other day at HEB when I was checking out. I'm so excited. To I saw it too, and I'm thrilled to, to see what happens there. I, I, as part of this, I know that you've been in the community a lot, uh, and you've dealt with a lot of people. You've met so many people. Um, what have they told you? What has stayed with you, I guess, as you've continued through this project? I, I know you were driven on this from the very beginning, but what has stayed with you from meeting the people in Uvalde? You know, they are the warmest, most loving people. And as you, as you might well imagine, still very... Um, still living through their grief, yeah, still will be for a long time. suffering through the trauma of an event like this. Um, but it, it's been an interesting process. During the design process, we formed a community advisory committee, and we call this a project that is uh, designed locally and, and built by Texas. Mm. And that's what it feels like. It, the design is so Uvalde. 
I mean, it is elements of uh, the community are everywhere in the new school from the colors that they've uh, selected that are representative of the sunrises and sunsets in Uvalde and of, of nature. Um, this will be a campus that houses second, third, and fourth graders. And it will be constructed next to a campus that houses pre-K through first grade. And they'll be able to share new facilities. And that's one of the beauties of this project. They'll be able to share an air-conditioned gymnasium. This will be their first elementary school with an air-conditioned gymnasium. Wow. In, in South Texas? Mm -hmm. Wow. That, that's incredible yeah. to think about. Did, did you think, looking back now here, did you expect that it would go this far this fast? You know, I did. I, I will say that I did expect that it would. That's because, determination then. Yes. I, I'm, well, we're all very determined. This is a, a, the members of our foundation are all so determined and everybody's working so hard together to make sure that it happens. I, I want to say this during, during our time together. The North Texas region has been incredibly um, generous. We How have, so? we've received help from uh, everywhere we've looked, but immediately when we started into this project, um, the Rainwater Charitable Foundation folks just wrapped their arms around us mm -hmm. in a way that was just remarkable. And the North Texas Communities Foundation just immediately at a breakfast one morning came over to me and said, I have a half a million dollar matching gift for you. Wow. And that matters. Small family foundations have come to the table to make large contributions. Um, the Communities Foundation of Texas here in Dallas has hosted us on numerous occasions have, and have brought foundations to the table who have contributed to this project. We've raised in North Texas close to $9 million now and we're still uh, wow. working through those contacts. And now that you're opening this up uh, as sort of a crowdfunding opportunity for other people to get involved, just to get this thing over the finish line, again, if you're, you're interested, look for Uvalde CISD Moving Forward Foundation on any of the social media platforms. They're everywhere uh, so that you can uh, you know, click and give there. You know, some people might think, well, I, I don't really have a lot of money to give. I've got $5, I've got $10. Uh, I would just hold out the example that here you were, one person who was devastated and driven and had a cell phone and started making calls. You were one person in the beginning though, okay? If this person sitting at home is the one person who has $5 or $10, I think that what you've done is indicative that one person, one little contribution makes a lot of difference because you lit the fire just with a phone call. $5 can help to move that fire along. $10, same thing. Well, and it's, it's been that way everywhere we've been. We've raised money in, in Houston. Uh, the Greater Houston Partnership has embraced our campaign and are, they're helping us in Houston. We're raising money in San Antonio and Austin and really all over the state of Texas. It's, it, and we don't, everybody embraces this project. They, it puts a smile on your face to know that you're doing meaningful work for a community that is so deserving. Wow. Um, Let me ask you about the new school itself. There's already the 3D animation that people can find on Uvalde CISD moving forward Absolutely. Uh, explain what the new school will look like. You talked about the colors a little bit. This is going to have different security features. 
Give us an idea of what this brand new place that's going to cost sixty million dollars, you know, with the generous help of Texans, will eventually look like for kids. Well, there. I think it's really important for people to know that this um, this is a school that was designed largely by input from the community, so that the community gets the school that they want that they need. The design team was a trauma-informed design team. Mm. So they came to the table with such compassion and empathy and caring that um, they took their lead from members of the community in, in terms of everything about the school. Mm -hmm. um, there will be 36 classrooms. There will be flex spaces everywhere throughout the campus that will be helpful in tutoring spaces and professional development spaces, counseling spaces. Communities that have been through this kind of trauma have unique needs. And that go for years. Oh, yeah. for generations. Yeah. You can, when you're down there, one of the, you asked me some of the things that I see in the community. One of the things that I saw immediately is that every life is touched in some way. When you lose two educators and, and 19 children and others are injured and um, Im impacted by the tragedy, you see that those tentacles are very oh, prolific. Yeah. Even in the design, I, I, I thought it was extraordinary that it, it's down to the every detail. There's a, a tree uh, that was designed and it has two <laughs> main branches and then 19 smaller branches that those hold up, of course, representing the two teachers and the 19 elementary school students who were murdered at Robb well, Elementary. And, and, and what a what a way to remember them there. Well, and it's it, everything in the school is sort of tied to nature, including the, the colors, the, the, the tree. Um, there are also going to be murals throughout um, the school. They, um, in Uvalde, the, the butter, monarch butterflies migrate through Uvalde. And so there will be um, beautiful murals of, of monarch butterflies. And what you might not notice is that there are 21 butterflies. Wow. They also have a honeybee, uh, a honey industry there, and so there in in <clears throat> in other wings in of instructional wings, there will be murals of honeybees, and you won't notice it so clearly, but there will be 19 honeybees wow. in those murals, and it it's the same throughout the, this beautiful building that the community came together and said, well, here's who we are. Aren't there bulletproof? window elements as well? There will be, yes. Mm -hmm. um, the, the Huckabee design team is, um, they are state of the art in terms of safety and security. They, they will use every technique to, to their disposal to make sure that every T is crossed, every I is dotted. Um, it's, the school also is built in a court, around a courtyard so that uh, children have a very safe learning environment and then the entire uh, campus will be secured in ways that protect those children when, when we all talk, the time. When we talk about that though you were with Burleson ISD and you all built a lot of facilities I imagine that these are considerations that go far beyond anything you all had to think of at that time security wise is this the the new way as we build schools in Texas because of this reality that we just keep seeing these mass shooting events? You know, we built our schools in like from 2009 through the early 2010s. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, those schools were all built with a lot of safety and security in mind. They had the most modern video technology and cameras and secured entrances. All of those campuses that have been built since that time period are secured by uh, very strong fencing. And what you, what you realize though is that in rural areas where there is, is not as much funding available, where their tax base is lower so their bonding capacity is less, they don't often, they aren't always able to finance uh, into their packages those kinds of secured facilities. Uh, on our last podcast, we had Dr. Brian Woods. He used to be the superintendent yes. at um, Northside ISD in San Antonio. And, and one of the things he said is how it appalls him that after this last legislative session this year, that state lawmakers did not do more to address school security than they did. Of course, you know, for those who are wondering, they did pass a bill requiring an armed guard, an armed individual on every campus. Looking at politics, are, are you surprised that your former colleagues in the, le- in the legislature did not do more? No, I'm not surprised. Uh, um, I really expected that to be the case. And, and one of the reasons I think why we launched this project is, is that, you know, as, as you think through what are the possibilities of things that you could do that would make the largest difference, I didn't suspect from the beginning that there would be a legislative solution in this legislative environment. Not at all? Not at all. Do you miss politics at all? I do. Do I, you really? And, and I, I, I think I'm not exactly out of it. <laughs> you know, I, this feels, you know, even as much as you try not to be political about it, it, it feels a little political. Well, as, as we <laughs> mentioned earlier, uh, the, the Republicans who run state government, uh, they're in charge of redistricting. They redistricted you out of, their, out of your seat. They, they turned District 10, I believe, into a, uh, a Republican seat they where did. it was a swing district for a long time. Um, what's next for you? Are you, are you going to run for something else? You know, it, if the right, it, politics is all about timing. And if the right thing comes up at the right time, uh, I absolutely would run again. I love serving my friends. And it sounds like your husband says, what are you going to do to <laughs> to keep your passion alive? Yeah, well, <laughs> now he knows. <laughs> well, wow. I'm curious because you miss politics. Would you say that this effort uh, being part of uh, the Uvalde Moving Forward Foundation, would you say that this is more rewarding than anything you ever did, though, when you were elected? You know, I think when I look back on this time in my life, it will feel like the most meaningful thing I've ever done. Hmm. And that's not to say that I didn't feel like my service as a Texas state senator wasn't extremely meaningful. I loved every moment of it. Um, I loved every event I attended, every hand that I shook, every baby that I kissed, every friend that I made along the way. And given the chance, I would do it all over again. And, uh, but this is a different, this is, this is a heart fix every time I think about it. It's, and you can tell when you look at our logo, it is a heart mission from, from start to finish. And I will say this, that every person involved from our, our board leaders, and Brian Woods is one of our board right, leaders and, and has been a wonderful contributor to uh, our project. Um, this will be so meaningful. 
but but you you've done a lot of things from from real estate to to uh, you know public service on the local level to the state level now this 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 really is a hallmark for you defining moment it is it it is and and you know it needs to be a de- defining moment for our state we have a great responsibility to our children to our families and and the folks who educate our children um, it is a defining moment. It's time for us to focus on education and make sure that we do this right. As you say that, let's go a little bit outside of the Moving Forward uh, Foundation for a moment. In October, it's expected that the legislature will be back in Austin for another special session dealing with education, which is a passion of yours. Mm-hmm. You are the daughter of an educator. That's right. You were a school board trustee, a school board president. Uh, a lot of things are going to be discussed um, that didn't happen in the regular session. You know, things like vouchers, uh, things like teacher pay raises. Do you have a lot of hope for how that's going to go? Yes, I do have more hope about that. Um, for one thing, we have to get this right. We have to fund education appropriately. We, we passed tax reform, but along with that tax reform comes a new responsibility to decide how differently are we going to fund public education. I'm hopeful that, uh, that the pressure that comes from our electorate will, will move this toward the right solutions, make sure that our, our valued educators get the raises that they deserve and the positive attention that, that they deserve for changing young lives. I mean, I bet you can tell me your favorite teacher and you can tell me yours, mm-hmm. Jason. We, well, I'm Wheeler's favorite teacher, by the way. <laughs> but, but go, ahead. go ahead. Our teachers and, and our principals and educators are those folks who, who change the world for the better, and they do it every day in the most meaningful way. In a very challenging environment, too. I want to ask you this, since you talked about pressure from the electorate, uh, Mm -hmm. because I I love talking to elected leaders and people who formerly held office uh, about this. When you were a senator, and be real with us, when people called- You can have some Oilers beer, too. He's not drinking it, by the way, (laughs) if you need to be real. Uh, That porter is strong. Uh, So when people called or people emailed to weigh in on things, how seriously did you take that and you know what constitutes i guess enough calls and enough emails for you to go uh oh i better really pay attention to what these people are saying i uh, and and you have to know that senators get thousands of emails a day okay and a lot of times we get uh stock emails yeah that form letters a whole form letters where people are just sending the same thing over and over and mm-hmm. over again and so you look at those emails one way. Mm-hmm. You, th- you think about the magnitude of the mission that you're hearing about. You look at those one way. And then you get emails from students. Mm. And you look at those differently. Mm. And you Like get high school students would email you? Oh, yeah. We had lots of students. And my staff knew that if we received an email from a child or a student, that it was to be on my desk immediately. Wow. Interesting. And uh, so those messages are powerful. Um, You know, it's, I formed relationships with folks that I I never expected on on my way in. Um, I became a board member for ARC, which is uh, an organization that advocates for um, 
folks with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Mm -hmm. I never thought of that as my mission until I got to the Senate and they started to come visit me and tell me what, what their issues were. And because of that contact, mm. I became clearly and painfully aware of how we were failing that group. Mm. But, but, but how important are constituent calls and constituent emails to, to you deciding what you should pursue legislatively? Oh, they're extremely important. I, I think people don't understand that a lot of times we, we don't just invent legislation. It comes to us from constituents in our district, and we passed some of that legislation mm. this last time. And it, it, it's, it's very important to the success of your mission as a legislator. Those were the most valuable insights that we gain into what Texas needs. So what I'm hearing here is in October, if you feel strongly one way or the other about any of these things that legislators are talking about related to education, well, first of all, the best thing, the most powerful thing you can do is to vote in primaries and general. But I'm also hearing there that you might want to make a phone call and or an email, but avoid the, the script, avoid the form letter and write your own. Write your own. You got to be original, Wheeler. Well, it's always I, been hard. And, you know, I tell people this all the time that that, you know, we only meet every other year and on special session occasions like the ones that are coming up. But every single legislator has district offices where folks can go and talk to their staff. And let me tell you that the greatest work that happens in that Capitol building in Austin is not necessarily the elected official. Those staff folks know how to get the job done. And that stuff gets to you when people go visit the staff in the district office and, and file a, a complaint or say, you know, what they want done, that gets to in you. In a heartbeat. Does it really? It gets to me, it gets to the legislative council to draft those pieces of legislation. Huh. It, it, I, I tell people, don't wait until session to bring your issues. You bring them during the interim and this is period. This is the interim right now, mm -hmm. so for, for those elected officials. I feel like right. we're so, in a civics lesson I, I now. Know, right? Like, this exactly. is how you get things done in Austin, You're folks. our favorite teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, but, but let me ask you this. Wheeler brought it up. So October is likely going to be the next special session. It's going to be about education. He brought up school vouchers. A couple things on this. Number one, I'm curious if you think that a couple dozen Republican, rural Republicans who've been standing in the way of this are going to change their mind because they might be primaried. And then, and then secondly, let me ask you that one first, because I don't want these questions to get mixed up. Do you think that, that Governor Abbott will have the votes to get this passed? I do not. He's not going to get it done? I, I really think our rural um, legislators are going to stand pat. I think we don't realize when we live in urban areas how important rural schools are. Um, You've been seeing that in Uvalde. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Everything revolves around school activities. And, and it's, it's often the largest employer. There, there are much right. fewer private school options, uh, et cetera, right? Yes, and it's the biggest voter base. When, when you say it's the largest employer, I tell teachers all the time, you could elect all of your leaders. Wow. That's an, I wow. never thought of it if that If you way. will go vote, you can elect you can elect your city council people, your school board trustees, your mayors, all of them. Here's my next question on vouchers, and I've asked this to every, every uh, one I've spoken to. I am not convinced 
that if this passes and if it's $8,000, I think was the most recent figure and it's only for a certain number of students who live in certain areas or folks who, who might have special needs, I'm not convinced there's going to be an exodus of people leaving public schools to go to private schools with an $8,000 check that they can only buy part of their tuition with. Do you think there will be? I, I don't think there will be. I, I, but I do think that what it does is it sucks in a lot, an enormous amount of money out of the public school mm. budget. Mm. And but, but how so if there aren't that many people going, going to well, do that and cashing that check? There will be because the, the folks that are sending their children to private school already, that are sending their students to religious schools already, will cash a check that they don't get today. And, and I guess a lot of people are worried, too, that even beyond that, it's just the slippery slope. Like, it, it, it's happening. You know, the mm -hmm. momentum begins, and then, you know, what happens in the next legislative session and the next one, and, and how does this go further than, you know, 8,000? Well, you yeah. hear the slippery slope argument about almost everything in Austin. So. This podcast <laughs> is a slippery slope sometimes, so yes, we do. Like weekly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I, I really hope uh, that, you know, our listeners will, will, will chip in um, for this uh, project. It, it sounds like it is a, a groundswell of, of Texas, uh, Texans coming together to help Texas get past one of its darkest days uh, and rebuild that school for those kids in Uvalde, not just those kids, those teachers, those administrators, those parents, those families, uh, and, and get this thing done. But uh, wow, just incredible to be sitting across from the table. And, and it really does make you think, what have I done? I haven't done anything. You haven't done anything. I haven't. I mean, you know, when you sit across the table from someone who... <clears throat> me? Oh, you meant... No, not you. It's oh, definitely oh, not you. But when you sit across the table from, from someone who right. actually just said, you know, I'm not in power to do something necessarily, but I have the power of this phone that's in my hand, and I, I know someone, and let me make a call and see where this goes. And here we are, $48 million later, with $12 million left to go. Jason, thank you for, for bringing it back to that because it gives me an opportunity to say that, that this is a mission that is driven by an enormous support group. When, when you think about having Charles Butt at the top of your support group. That's pretty magnificent. It's good and, to have him on your team. Yes, yeah. and you think about the Huckabee design team and, and what they went through to be sure that Uvalde got what they wanted. And Juris just standing right there ready to take over and, and pull those uh, contracts in to deliver those in-kind uh, contributions from contractors and suppliers and and then you think about the foundational organi organizations across Texas and what they've done to embrace our project and make sure that we get to the end goal. It, it's, it is a magnificent effort that took the work of a whole lot of people. And it's not done yet. Uvalde Moving Forward is the name of the organization. $12 million left to go. Is there a deadline to raise that money? Is, is the school going to be three-quarters built if that extra money is not raised? You know, I, we hope that we can raise that money this year, in this, in this calendar year. But if, if we need to bleed over into uh, 2024, we, we can do that. Okay. Um, so we're not going to stop until we get it done. It doesn't sound like you're going to. <laughs> Uh, former State Senator Beverly Powell, uh, who is now the Board Secretary for the Uvalde CISD Moving Forward Foundation, 
asking you for your five dollars or ten dollars or hundred your ten million if you've got Charles Butt money uh, to, to help out to get uh, those kids in Uvalde uh, a new place where they can go and 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 you're heading out of here now you said you were going to go do a different fundraiser for scholarships I'm gonna go to Cleburne and we're gonna talk about how we raise money to get kids into Hill College into a community college so that we can get them on a path to a four-year degree Wow, you are just in a <laughs> like reinvention second life here you're going to be a dangerous formidable opponent if you do decide to run again because <laughs> You're getting really good at raising money here. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> congratulations. But for great causes. Yeah, great congratulations causes. on all your successes. And I'm glad we ran into each other in Fort Worth. I am too, Jason. I Thank can't you. believe that. Yeah, it, it, it's, you, it's, it's remarkable how that happens that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, here, here we are a week later and, and having, this, uh, having the beer, having the podcast. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you, Senator Powell, and thank you to the Texas Ale Project. Yeah. Uh, you know, for Man. the Texas Ale Project who's watching. Look at this. Wow, that I is... enjoyed mine. And the Caucasian here, well, <laughs> drinking the Caucasian, yeah. hasn't finished his. Well, you and finished, the water girl. You not only, <laughs> yeah, you not only finished yours, you finished your little uh, side cup there of the Easy taste. Hoss. So since I have a little bit more, I will toast you for what you're doing. Jason, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you both. Thank you guys very much. Thanks for watching uh, Yellow Ticks. Thanks for listening to Yellow Ticks. If you aren't watching it on YouTube, if you are, thanks for watching it on YouTube as well. We're back next week to take you... Uh, you know, I, I into a, a whole different place. Uh, uh, who knows where we're going to go next week? <laughs> we, we don't even. We know. don't know what we're doing it right after this <laughs> podcast. So, so thanks very much, guys. We appreciate it. Click subscribe and get Yolitics every week. Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas.